Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Amen. At this time, we're going to look to the Word of God, and the title of my message this morning is Stand Therefore. Stand Therefore. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of studying your Word together. And Father, we know it's not just intellectually learned, but it's spiritually discerned and perceived. And so we invite your Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to be our guide, and to anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to be open. To the knowledge of the truth that makes us free. We ask to be changed by what we hear from glory to glory, that we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he has shed his blood and apprehended each and every one of us, that we might walk as lights in the world of darkness, holding forth the word of life to this generation that you've called us to, that they might see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven. And so, Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to penetrate our souls and challenge us in each and every way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. We're going to look in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 first. A few verses here. And notice finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Wherever you see a wherefore or a therefore, of course, you know that it's talking about what I just said. What I just preached, what I just stated, what I just wrote, it's all because of that. Do this. So let's just take a moment and think about what he's already said so far in the book of Ephesians. Really, he's revealing to us that Christianity is threefold in that book. Number one, it's positional, who we are in Christ. Two, it's practical, practical Christianity, living out our belief system, following the ways and purposes of God. And then thirdly, it's powerful. Notice, clothe yourself with the power of God, the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. So we see those three things. It's positional, practical, and powerful Christianity that we live and that we stand for. Now, the reason for it is because, obviously, we're in a warfare. And we're challenged by all these unseen forces of darkness coming against us. For what reason? To destroy our lives. To kill, steal, destroy and to fulfill the purpose of the enemy and not the purpose of God. Well, we're to be strong, not in ourselves, but in the Lord, in the power of His might. Why? So that we have the ability. To be able means you've got the resources, the power, the strength that you need to overcome whatever the wile of the devil is, whatever strategy it might be. 
It could be anything like COVID-19 that we're challenged with like even now. We understand that this is not just a physical thing. We believe there's a spiritual force that's behind it trying to destroy humanity and the work of God. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But before we get into some of the strategies that we can use, I want to share with you just a few things about these individuals that stood for God, that took a stand for God, and also they stood against the enemy uh, or the works of darkness. For example, you take the man Enoch. We know a little bit about him, not too much about him, but we know that he lived to be 365 years old, and he was not. He was taken. But before he left, he had this testimony that he took a stand for God and a stand against the enemy. He stood for righteousness even in the midst of a crooked generation. We understand from the time of Adam and Eve when Cain killed Abel that that was the demise, the beginning of the demise of the human race. And from that point on, evil just began to rise up within the human heart. But Enoch was one who walked with God and was taken. He was challenged, but he was taken because he refused, praise God, to cave in under the pressure and be victimized by all the evil that was around him. Then we come to a man named Noah. And in Genesis chapter 6, we read about Noah. And of course, at that time, we understand before he was told to build the ark, that the wickedness in hearts man got to the peak level. And just to share a thought with you about this. Here he is among this evil that's taking place. But what is the evil that's taking place? If you read the first few verses there in Genesis chapter 6, it talks about how the sons of God came down and had relations with the daughters of men. And if we take just a moment and think about that, these sons of God are basically angels. And I'm not going to be dogmatic about this, but this is a theory that many believe. That these angelic beings left their estate, had relations with the, son, with the daughters of men, and as a result gave birth to what is called the Nephilim. And the Nephilim was almost like a hybrid, a race, but that wasn't really 100% the human race. Now go back to Genesis chapter 3 and 15, and what do we discover? We discover that God said that this woman's going to produce a seed that's going to destroy the work of Satan. Remember that. And now all of a sudden we see in Genesis chapter 6 here that the whole human race is now infected by what's taking place with these angelic beings. Could it not be, this is possible, that Satan understood that a woman was going to give birth to a seed that's going to destroy his work. And so what he had to do is see to it that these angels came down and had these relations to give birth to this hybrid people, which we call Nephilim or giants that were in the land. Why? To stop the Messiah from coming into the earth. As a result of the wickedness that God saw, he can't let this continue to go on, that he had to destroy the world by a flood. Well, during this time, Noah was a faithful, righteous man, and he and his family served God. And of course, they were warned about what was going to take place. They built an ark to the saving of his house. Eight people were saved during that time. And then, of course, from that point on, we understand the human race continued. But here's a thought also. Up until the time of Genesis chapter 6, it is reported that since these people lived to be over 900 years old, Methuselah 969, that there were billions of people on the planet during those first so many hundred years of life. You realize after the flood, it took until 1803, somewhere around there before there was one billion people on the planet. From the time of the flood, when it was over, until then, one billion people before it, billions of people on the earth as a result of course man living to be over 900 and some years old of course we understand from that point on that man's number days of his life on earth were numbered 
Probably 120 years, we're told right now. But just to give you an idea of what was taking place back then, you talk about the wickedness of a man's heart. Those things were taking place. But guess what? Enoch and Noah took a stand for God and a stand against the enemy. And as a result, of course, God's plan continued on earth among men. But just think about what it took for Noah to stand against all the opposition. During that time, we don't have any record of any rain coming down. A mist came up from the ground and watered the earth. It was a beautiful, beautiful scene back then. But now he's told it's going to flood. It's going to come from the ground up. It's going to come from the heavens down and so on. But yet he believed it while the others mocked him and scoffed him and all that. But you know, because of his righteous stand for God and against the works of darkness, he did it God's way. And what happened? Praise God, he was saved. Then you've got a man named Abraham who took a stand for God against the Canaanites when he was in the land. And as a result, of course, the enemy was destroyed and he lived on and continued to be basically the father of our faith. Then you've got Daniel, who took a stand for God even against a king. And as he did this, he understood he was putting his life in jeopardy by doing so. He would be cast into the midst of a lion's den if he were to pray to any other god. But you know what he did? Opened up the windows and cried out all the louder to the Lord his God and, and refused to stop praying because he believed God. He took a stand for God, a stand against unrighteousness or evil. And as a result, of course, God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions so that he could be saved and spared. It pays to serve God. It pays to walk with God. And even though everything else is going the opposite direction, when you stand for God, God will bless you. No question. Then you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three Hebrew boys, in the same situation in Babylon. And what do they do? They're told that if you don't bow down and worship this image, the image of Nebuchadnezzar at that time, then you're going to be cast into a burning fire furnace. And they said, well, we're not. It's as easy for us to answer. We're not afraid of you. God's bigger than you are. We're going to serve him and walk with him. Took a stand for God. Stand against unrighteousness and evil. And as a result, yeah, they were thrown in. But praise God, God showed up on the scene. Jesus came in and appeared to them in that burning fiery furnace. And they came out unscathed without any, even the smell of smoke. Think about that. We just had a little bonfire at our house. We roasted some s'mores and I smelled like smoke from head to toe in a moment. They come out of a burning fire furnace. They don't even have the smell of smoke upon them. Why? Because God protected them in that midst of the fire. Imagine that. Then you've got Jeremiah. Jeremiah took a stand for God and a stand against all evil when Israel was going through a difficult time. Uh, spiritually speaking, their condition was awful. Morally speaking, their condition was awful. And in every way, their condition was awful. They were backsliding and walking away from God. But you know what? Jeremiah spoke up and spoke out and said, If I don't preach the word of God, there's a fire in my bones. <laughs> that I can't stand. i got to proclaim it and declare it and decree it. He took a stand for God against the enemy. And as a result, of course, we know him as a prophet of God. Then you've got, of course, the ultimate Jesus. When he walked upon the planet, he was the, the will of God here on this earth among men. And he took a stand for God. And he took a stand against the works of darkness, against religious leaders that were influenced by the works of darkness and so on. And as a result, of course, they wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill him. And it wasn't until he finally knew it's time to give up my life as a sacrifice that he went to a cross where he suffered and died. But even Jesus walking on the earth among men had to take a stand for God and a stand against unrighteousness. Well, the question is, what about us? Where are we at? This is our generation. And you know what? You think about what we said about the angels coming down and having relations with the sons of men or daughters of men on the earth and creating that havoc that took place, that wickedness back then. 
Could it not be we're facing something similar right now by the strategy of the works of darkness to see to it that there's something that's being done like COVID-19 or whatever else to impact the entire globe with a disease so as to slow down the progress that believers are making in the earth? Think about it. Not able to meet together, not able to lay hands on the sick they can recover and so on. The list goes on and on and on and on. But you know what? God's greater, God's bigger, and we believe for Him to continue to manifest His presence and power in our lives. And we will rise up and we will overcome. We will be together again and we will honor the living God that we serve here upon this earth. So, number one, stand therefore. Why do we stand against the works of darkness and for God? Ephesians 6, look at verses 11 and 12 once again. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand, the word able means sufficient and resources, strength and ability, stand against the wild strategies of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So in other words, what he is saying to us is that we have an unseen, highly organized army planning out strategies designed to destroy our lives upon this earth and mainly to put to naught the works of God. I'll be honest with you. The enemy's not concerned about those that are living for him and walking with him. He's concerned about believers like us. He doesn't want us to impact his kingdom in a, in a negative way. He wants his work to continue here upon the earth. So he plans out strategies. Why? To destroy human lives. To destroy marital relationships. To destroy families. Our children to take their lives. He wants everybody to go with him in the lake of fire. And that's his ultimate goal. To destroy our finances. Destroy our relationships. To destroy churches. Destroy governments. And the list goes on and on and on. Why? Because we know we're told in First Timothy chapter 2. We're to pray for governments. Why? So we can lead a quiet, peaceable life in our godliness and honesty. And many would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So in a time of peace and tranquility, the, the gospel goes out in a powerful way. But when there's all kinds of unrest and so on, it's more difficult to proclaim the gospel. And so that's why God says we're to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked way so he can hear from heaven, forgive our sin and bring healing to our land. And so as believers, it doesn't matter where we're at. See, the church is not this building that I'm in right now. The church is people. We are the church. And no matter where we're at, we have a voice. And thank God we have these modern means like live streaming. We can get to you over the internet this way. But we're believing God together no matter where we're at. We join forces together with God. We're believing God right now for His hand to be upon this nation and globally to drive back the forces of darkness to come against this COVID-19 so we can rise up to a place of overcoming victory in faith. I understand right now there are some places that if you walk out without a mask, you're fined $1,000. Unreasonable in my imagination, but still that's what we're doing in the earth today. We understand a lot of things that are going on that are still sketchy. We don't know what's going to take place in the upcoming months and weeks and that sort of thing. But you know what? We're just going to be on our guard. We're going to be ready, willing, and able to stand for God and stand against the works of darkness no matter what comes against us in this life. Okay, so why do we stand? Because we have an unseen, highly organized army against us, planning out strategies to destroy everything that we stand for as believers. As he did it in the beginning, he's doing it right now. As a matter of fact, let's go back and just rehearse in a, in a moment here what took place in the beginning. In the beginning, we have Lucifer, this, this angelic being, worshiping God, leading worship in heaven, 
He's governing the earth, whatever was here upon the earth at that particular time. That was his domain. And what's he doing? He thinks that he can use his faith to overthrow the kingdom of God. To overthrow God himself. He understood the law of faith and how it worked. And so from his heart, he made these declarations. He said, I will five times concluding that I will rise up above the stars and I will be like the Most High. He tried to use his faith to overthrow God, believing he could actually do it. He got other angels, angelic beings to follow him. And then whatever it was upon the earth that he was governing over, as we see in the book of Ezekiel, he got them to follow him as well. As a result of his plan and his purpose, he fell, for God says you'll be cast down to hell. All the angels fell with him. We understand a third, some say maybe, who knows exactly the amount, but typically it's a third. And then all the inhabitants of the earth, whatever they were, whatever kind of being they were upon the planet, are disembodied spirits. You see, angels aren't demons, angels are angels that fell. But these demonic influences are these fallen, these fallen people or beings that were upon the earth at that time. They're disembodied. And what are they right now? They're roaming about. What they're trying to do is get into people's thought lives, get into their, their own hearts, use their own bodies so that they can have some kind of a voice in the earth. See, they needed expression in the earth. And that's what they wanted. And so as a result, we see the fall of man. So Lucifer actually thought he could overthrow God. But guess what? God is smarter than him. God is wiser than him. And he's lost out. But you know right now what he wants to do? Take as many people as he possibly can with him into the lake of fire. And that means he can't stand any of us here. He wants to come against every single one of us. And so he comes up with all these strategies designed to do what? Overthrow the work of God and destroy human life eternally. Now, secondly, how do we stand? Well, we saw that we're to be clothed with the armor of God. So first of all, let's read those again from verse 13 to 18. Clothed. We stand clothed with the armor of God. If you recall, way back in the day when David stood before Goliath, before he did, Saul said to him, well, if you think you get out there and you can defeat him, may God be with you, but put on my armor first before you go out there. He actually thought his armor would be good enough to enable him to overcome Goliath. And you know what he said? David said, I haven't tried them out. There's no possible way I could use those pieces of equipment to overcome this enemy mm -mm. i'm not going to stand clothed in your armor or anybody else's armor i'm going to stand clothed in the fact that my god will defend me and fight for me well that was back in the day of david and goliath and of course god came through he said i come against you not with a sword not with a spear not with a shield but in the name of the lord of hosts and this day he will deliver you into my hand and so what are we told to do? Stand clothed, not with any kind of earthly armor, but with the armor of God. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able, sufficient in resources, strength, and ability to withstand, notice the word withstand, in the evil day. And having done all to stand, notice again how many times you hear the word stand in one form or another, withstand, stand, and then again in verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith he shall be able to quench all the fiery, fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Notice, we're to stand clothed in the armor of God. 
So if this is the armor of God and we are clothed with the armor of God from head to toe, when enemy sees us, if we're aware of that armor, who does he see? He sees the hand of God. He sees God. He's not looking at us. It's the armor of God. Notice as we run down what they are. Truth. The belt of truth holds everything in place. All the armor is in place. No wonder he said, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all the truth. We have to have an understanding of truth. Jesus said, if you're my disciple, then you're going to know the truth. If you continue in it. And the truth that you know will make you free. So he's talking about the difference between a believer and a disciple. There were those that believed, but when rubber met the road, what happened? They walked away from him. He said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciple indeed. And then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So we have to have a clear cut understanding of the redemptive work of Christ and know exactly what he did for us when he died on Calvary's cross, rose again, victorious, was had a coronation on the right hand of the majesty on high, reinstated all his glory that he left behind, knowing what he did for us enables us to stand firm against our enemy. The truth is, he gave us power over all the power of the enemy to use his name against any force of darkness that would come against us. When it comes to the breastplate of righteousness, this is talking about your righteousness and mine is as filthy rags, but we took that off in Christ and we put on his robe of righteousness. It's his righteousness that he's, he's basically covered us with and cleansed us with. It's our breastplate. That means we're in right standing with God. And nothing could be more important than that. You say, but what if I've missed the mark along the way? That doesn't matter. If you confess your sin, he'll cleanse you from your sin and do what? Cleanse you from your sin and you'll be restored once again to all righteousness. He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we stand righteous before God. And that's so important. Otherwise, guilt, condemnation will come against us in such a way so as to debilitate our faith. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Beloved, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're to walk in the light of that gospel. Everywhere we go, we're to be a shining light among men on this earth. Let our light shine that they can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And so it's important we understand that all these particular articles of the armor of God have a place in our lives. The shield of faith quenches every fiery dart of the devil. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know what the word of God says. For example, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. So if we're covered by fear, if we're overwhelmed by fear, then what are we supposed to do? Find out what the word of God says. The truth is this. God did not give us that spirit of fear, but power. Through the power of the name of Jesus, we can overcome fear. Love, perfect love casts out all fear. A sound mind, he keeps us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on him because we trust in him. And so we see those three powerful weapons against what? Fear. What about Isaiah 41 verse 10? Fear not, and he tells why. I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you, help you, uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And so we understand that he gave us the truth of his word to help us rise up above whatever it is that we're facing, any fear that we face in this life. Secondly, we stand against the, the powers of darkness. How? Scripturally. We stand clothed with the armor of God, and we stand scripturally. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, you recall the story. Jesus was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. A true temptation because he was hungry without question. Forty days he had fasted and prayed. But he answered, when the devil came and said, Turn these rocks into st or stones into bread, because you're hungry. And Jesus answered and said, It is written. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So in other words, scripturally means we have to have an understanding 
of Bible truth. We need to know how to counteract whatever it is the devil brings our way with truth. To understand that we can defeat the devil just the way Jesus defeated the devil by declaring it is written. And the sad part about it is this. We have access to all kinds of materials when it comes to biblical materials. And yet many people are not students in, of the word of God. They're not astute. Remember the Bible says to study to show yourself approved to God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to know the truth. And trust me. When it comes to knowing the truth. The enemy is going to inject all kinds of lies and deceptions. Why? To mess up the way we think and believe. And so it's important that we recognize that we are in a covenant relationship with God. That covenant relationship has been negotiated between God the Father and God the Son. Everything that belongs to us is outline for us in scripture it's the anchor for our soul and so we have to exalt the word of god above our circumstances even though they contra whatever they contradict in the natural world if it's irrational doesn't matter god's word is to be exalted above it all he's exalted his word above his name in the book of uh, psalms we're told then thirdly what about mentally mentally first peter chapter one look at verse 13 Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice the expression, gird up the loins of your mind. What's he saying? Prepare your mental faculties to make right decisions and choices because you're engaged in a warfare. And when you think about this, as a good soldier in the army of God, as all good soldiers know, you need to learn to listen to the voice of authority. Submit to authority. They have a better, let's say, perspective than you do. They have more insight than you do or that I have. And so as a result, we're to gird up the loins of our mind and say, if that's what you say, I'm going to do it. Well, the same thing is true with us. We need to gird up the loins of our mind to recognize what is of God and what is not of God. We're to think on the things of God. Why? So that the peace of God can rule in our hearts and minds. Remember in the book of Philippians chapter 4, we're told, the peace of God will, that passes all understanding will keep our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we've got to have around our minds a garrison of truth. Why? So that we can stand against the lies and the deception of the enemy. If we'll do that, praise God, we'll be prepared mentally to make right choices and decisions. And then this happens. In Second Corinthians chapter uh, 10 and verses 3 through 5, we are told the weapons... Although we walk in the flesh, we, we, war, we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ, preparing our thought life to act upon the word of God. Remember this, every sin starts with a thought. It started in the Garden of Eden. It continues throughout our lives. As Paul said, I am concerned that Satan will deceive you with all his lies. So let's remember that. It starts right there. So gird up the loins of our mind means grab a hold of what the Word says. Cast down thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And think about what God said and act upon that. Make right choices. And then we also stand prayerfully. Remember Matthew 26 and verse 41. There they are at the Jesus is in the garden. His disciples fall asleep. And of course he comes out because he's struggling in warfare. He's going to go to the cross and he's going to suffer and die and be made sin for us. He knows what he's going through. He's sweating as if it were drops of blood. 
And he comes out there asleep, but he's, here's what he says. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so it's important that we all recognize our frailty. We all are frail, every single one of us. We have shortcomings, faults, fears. We have a flesh that we're living in that doesn't want to cooperate with God. And so what's the important thing to do? Be prayerful. Stand against the enemy being a person of prayer. Make prayer a practice in your life. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Build up yourself on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost, you'll be prepared to stand against the enemy. And finally, courageously. Look in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 6. Courageously. How do we stand? Clothed with the armor of God. Scripturally, mentally, prayerfully, and now, courageously. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is... It is he that is with you. And he will not fail you nor forsake you. We're to be strong in the Lord, not in ourselves. Look at Joshua chapter uh, 1 and verse 9. Have, I, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. These two verses talking about the fact that when you know that God is with you and God is on your side, we can be courageous, whether it's in a lion's den, whether it's in a burning fire furnace, or before a lion, a giant, or a bear, it doesn't matter if we really know our God. And that's why Paul said, be strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord, in the power of His might. Being strong in the Word, being strong in the Spirit, being strong in prayer, being strong mentally, making right choices and decisions that will honor God, will aid us and assist us, even at this hour, coming against what we're facing right now. Then, number, number three, where do we stand? Where do we stand? Ask yourself that question. Where do I stand? Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 31. Where do I stand? But as for thee, stand thou here by me. We stand before God. And I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. We're standing by God. Remember when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments? Where was he? Up on Mount Sinai? Yes, but he was standing in the presence with God. He was standing with God. We understand down on the earth, as a result of his delay in coming down, that they didn't mind what God wanted for them. And so they began to do whatever they wanted to do. They made a molten calf and followed something that was wrong and said, this is what brought us out of Egypt. And God became angry as a result. Moses comes down, his face aglow with the Spirit because of the glory of God that was upon him. And what does he do? He offers to show the Ten Commandments to the people. Stand with God. Stand before God. We're going to live our lives before God, knowing that one day we'll all be judged before His presence. But we stand before God. What do we stand? Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. We stand before men. Let your light so shine before men. We stand before men. They see what? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We have an obligation before men to stand before them in such a way that they can see us as living epistles of the living Christ, known and read of all men. They see what we stand for. They see who we stand for. They see how we stand. Amen. And so it's important even at this time for people to recognize that we take a stand. We're taking a stand for God and we're doing the right thing. We're following what we're supposed to be doing by meeting the way we're meeting right now over the internet and live streaming and all that. The day is going to come once again when we'll be able to get together 
and have a full gathering. We don't know when that time is going to be, but whenever it happens, it happens. But in the meantime, we're not going to be silenced as a church. We're going to continue to voice the Word of God in every means and way we possibly can. To be honest with you, we are reaching more people right now over the internet than we have before just within the confines of a local building. Many are tapping into what uh, is happening. On Easter, I think we had over 2,000 hits, 2,300 hits or something like that, of people viewing and watching what's going on. What's happening? The Word is getting out. So what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn that thing around and use it for good. And so in such a way, right now, we're reaching a lot more people just by the Internet and just by the different means that Dante shared with you earlier. Roku. Thank God for, uh, you know... Our home internet service and all that. Thank God for all that. Uh, next, in the book of Ezekiel, so critical and important, especially at a time like this. Book of Ezekiel, look at verse, uh, tw chapter 22, verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and what? Stand where? In the gap. We stand before God. We stand before men. We stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And so God is looking for warriors that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Stand in the gap. What does that mean? You put one hand on God, you put one hand on man or the earth or whatever's going on, and you become that bridge between God and man. He wanted that nation to be spared, but he had to destroy it because he could not find a man. Way back in the days of Abraham, when Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, for ten righteous I'll save the land, but there weren't ten righteous in the land. Maybe if he had said one, that he could have spared the land, we don't know. But what Abraham was doing was one hand on God, one hand for the people. He was like the conduit through which God can work and stay his hand of judgment. What does God need? People like us. Gap standards. They will stand in the gap, make up the hedge. Now, it could be we're standing in the gap for our home, for our family, for our children. It could be at peacetime. It could be at wartime. It could be at school. It could be wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, whatever time it may be. Let him know I am a gap stander. I will stand before you. I will stand before men. I will stand in the gap. I'll make up a hedge. You can use me. I'll be your conduit. Your power can flow through me in a powerful, powerful way to touch people's lives. Good times, bad times, challenging times, whatever it might be. It does not matter, Lord. You can count on me. I'll stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Whenever we pray for the nation of Israel, we believe for him to raise up other watchmen on the wall that will pray for the salvation of all of Israel. You could, you could be a gap stander for Israel. One hand on God, one hand on the nation. And pray that God would open up their eyes. That they could see Jesus as their Messiah and Lord of all. That there would be created a national revival throughout the land. That the people would be saved, healed, delivered, set free, empowered by the hand of God. And you know what? You lift up God's people like that, God will bless you for doing so. He told us in His Word. Now the lastly, how long do we stand? I know that it seems like we've been standing forever as far as this is concerned. But no, we haven't. Look at the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. As long as you have breath on the planet, you're going to be a gap stander. You'll stand before God. You'll stand before man. You'll stand in the gap. And look at this. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of that of gold, that perishes, though it be tried with fire, 
might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. How long do we stand? To the very end. We stand to the very end. We have an anchor for our souls, and that's part of that anchor. We'll be standing on this earth as long as we have breath. As long as we're breathing, we're going to do it. And so what's important for us to do? To know it. Gird up the loins of our mind and declare it. It might be COVID-19 now. It could be something else next year. Who knows? What are we to do? Stand in the gap. Make up the hedge. Stand for God until the very end. And then also, Matthew 25, 21, one of those wonderful verses that we always quote, especially at funerals. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. You know, many have gone before us. We are told that there is a grand stanza of heaven that is filled with people whose lives attest to, to the reality that there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun, and you know what? Those people up there are saying, look, I did it, you can do it as well. I live for God, I follow God, I fulfilled His plan for my life, and look at me now. Noah on this earth, they laughed at him, they scoffed him, they mocked him, and all that, they thought he was an absolute lunatic, but look who's laughing now. He's in glory, and they're suffering in the lake of fire, or in, 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 in hell itself, in Hades. You think about Moses. Moses was laughed at by Pharaoh. You're giving up wealth, riches, fame, popularity. You can have anything you want on this planet. It belongs to you. You're next in line for the throne. What's the matter with you? And what does he say? I would rather suffer persecution with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So what does he do? He walks away from that. He walks with the people of God. And of course, Pharaoh's laughing at him, mocking him and all that. But you know what? On the day of transfiguration, on that mountain of transfiguration, who's appearing there? Moses, Jesus, and Elijah. And think about it. Where's Pharaoh at that time? Not walking with God. So imagine that, that fact. He's in the grandstands of heaven. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the uh, Habakkuk. The list goes on and on and on of all those that are in the grandstands in heaven. And they're saying, look, do it. I motivate you to do it. Look at me. Look at my life. Look where I'm at right now. And you can experience the eternal glory of God as a result. So how long do we stand? Until we breathe our last breath upon this earth. You stand for God. You stand against the enemy. You take up your shield of faith. You quench every fiery dart. You be like Paul who said, It's my time to go. My departure is at hand. My plane's leaving. I'm getting out of here. But I have been faithful to God. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. I have fought a good fight. See, faith is a fight. It's a fight against the devil, the world, and the flesh that wants to remove us from the path that God has for our lives to his destructive path. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof is the way of death. God's way is the only pure way. It's the only right way. And you know what? We have a chance to fulfill that in our lives. To live for that. Honor Him and experience eternal bliss when we leave this realm of life. So there's a whole lot ahead of us. Praise God. If we'll serve Him and walk with Him. So no matter what you're going through right now, we stand with you. We believe God with you. And we thank God for every one of your lives. And we encourage you 
to stand for God. Clothed with the armor of God against the enemy standing for God. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.